Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Good evening. Welcome to the very first edition of Upfront for the year 2024. Tonight, we will do some projections into the economy of the Republic of Ghana. This is utmost importance because I'm sure many of you will realize that the economy has not been doing well in the last couple of years. The President of the Republic of Ghana is convinced that this is the turnaround year and we have turned the corner. The Finance Minister has been reiterating that too, but what does the reality say? Today, we saw inflation also inch downwards a little bit. Government's hope, uh, that's of course for December 2023, government's hope is that inflation will by the end of this year get to 15%. Is that realistic? Are the other projections for the economy also realistic? There's no better man than my guest to have this conversation with. He is Professor Stephen Adair. He's been a former GRE board chair. He's been a former NDPC board chair. He's been very, very critical to the economy of the Republic of Ghana. He's an educationist, and I'm sure you know that he's written a lot. Prof, you're welcome to Upfront, and I hope you are doing well. Oh, oh, okay, wonderful. I mean, I, I wanted to put this in perspective. This is the first time I'm actually hearing you this day. I wanted to know whether you were as optimistic about the economy as a president when he says this is the year that we have already turned around so we are going to do better Different. I'm not a politician and in 2024 we are going to hear a lot of hyperbolic statements from both the government the positive side and the opposition on the negative side I think that compared to 2023 be able to explore this further and those are introductory remarks from professor Stephen Adair who is my guest tonight on upfront and we'll be looking at the economy of the Republic of Ghana in fact I specifically tagged this conversation uh, an outlook into the year 2024 uh, trying to put into perspective and asking the question will the anchor hold this year 
right? So, so an election year, would it be better? Would it be improving? You mentioned, Prof, our current uh, quagmire with the uh, creditors who are yet to give us some clear-cut agreement taking forward for us to even get our second tranche from the IMF. We're hoping to get this some months into the last year, but it didn't materialize as of the time that we wanted it. Are you hopeful that this is going to happen anytime soon? And how is that impacting the economy of the Republic of Ghana? In negotiations, you cannot be prophetic. So let me not be a prophet and say it's going to happen. But I think that the fact that Ghana has been able to service its external debt for more than a year will force the donors to come out with some accommodation because the alternative is that they cannot pay. And that is uh, a jump over the company. So I am expecting that there will be some accommodation and agreement in the first quarter of this year. Well, I guess I'm having some slight difficulties with props, uh, what they call it, outputs. We sure should be able to fix that and get back to you after this break. have money emergencies. Ma, I need my school fees emergency. Mommy, Mommy chop money emergency. Emergency, emergency. Catch it. I'm your rent. Emergency. Now, there's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, Charlie and it's not At the top life we got. Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies and chop life. Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Illegal mining continues to destroy our lands and waters. We are getting some cases of young people whereby they come with difficulty in breathing and cough. We find that they have extensive damage to their lands and they tend to be people who come from communities that are involved in illegal mining. From January 12th, we continue the fight against illegal mining in our communities. It's the Poisoned for Gold Community Tour. Join Erastus Asaridonko as we engage the people of Samreboy about the dangers of illegal mining. The Poisoned for Gold Community Tour 
is part of the USAGM media project on nature crimes in Ghana, supported by the U.S. Department of State Bureau of Oceans and International Environment and Scientific Affairs, Office of Conservation and Water. The tour is in collaboration with the Multimedia Group, Media Partners, Joy News, Adum TV, Joy FM, Love FM, Insura FM, Ahobrasia FM, Tricky FM, Asuna FM, Royal FM, Velvet Beam Radio, Max FM, Green Gold Radio and TV. Welcome back to our front. Now, my guest tonight on our conversation about how the economy is going to pan out in the year 2024 is Professor Stephen Adair. Um, I'm sure many of you know that he's ever distinguished economist, he's an educationist, and uh, you would also be very much aware that until recently he was the board chair at the Ghana Revenue Authority, too. So he understands virtually everything that happens in our governance in one way or the other. And I'm not sure in the last couple of what they call it uh, decades, how many of the finance ministers will not come to him for some wise words. Prof, you're welcome back. I understand that we are in a very perfect situation now. So we're talking about the delay for the disbursement of the second tranche of the IMF support. And this is largely because we are unable to, to get uh, a good arrangement with the creditors who really were expecting to respond as of the last quarter of the year 2023. My question is, what measures can we take to address the ongoing delay in receiving the second tranche? And also, uh, how is this currently impacting our commitment to economic growth and development? Well, first of all, I'm sure that the, do the donors themselves, I mean, the creditors, are in a dilemma because other countries will take a cue from what happens to Ghana, and especially China, to whom a lot of the African countries owe a lot of money, doesn't want to give in easily. However, Ghana has not been able to service its debt for more than a year now. And I'm expecting that in this first quarter, there will be some accommodation from the government side, they are saying around February, and uh, I'm expecting that there will be some agreement because the alternative is that Ghana cannot pay, as Japan was in India. This one has not been able to pay. So I'm expecting some accommodation in the first quarter. But a lot of things in 2024 will depend upon that. A lot of it will depend upon the rains. A lot of things will depend upon government behavior in an election year. So it is very, very murky to be able to say this is exactly what is going to happen. I think that all things being equal, the projected continuous decline in the interest, uh, interest rates along with inflation coming down, we may or may not achieve the 15%, but it definitely there will be a downward trend. If they are able to come to some accommodation in the first quarter, which I expect, the rate of depreciation of the city will be within the neighborhood of about 7 to 10%. There's a projection of 13 cities to a dollar. I'm not too optimistic, it can go as high as 14. But still, given what has happened in the past, 
That will be a moderation. A lot of Ghanaians misunderstand when they say that inflation has gone down. It doesn't mean things are going to be cheaper. It means the prices as we inherited the year before would have gone up at a lower rate. Those of my economic students will say this is the second differential, DYDX, is the rate of increase which will reduce, but prices will continue to increase. But generally, the hope is that 2024, despite the usual misbehavior of politicians in election year, will see us a bit better than the year before. Now, that's an interesting development because uh, I've heard other groups like Fitch, I've heard other groups equally say that we are likely to have better times in 2024, except that you added the caveat that it would largely depend on some other developments on the economic plate. You talked about our current arrangements on how to deal with uh, the debt arrangements that we currently have and whether or not the IMF deal is going to go as well as if there are going to be other blocks or delays, uh, how that's going to pan out and all the other... The interesting ones ahead... Yes, I was coming to the part that you mentioned range. Yeah, yes, but, but you, we are that, that sounds like that sounds like a 1964 projection about how things are supposed to go. I mean, I thought we have moved away from real Fed agriculture in 2024. That's the sad part of it. That you know, food accounts for a very big proportion of our inflation. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, we shouldn't be talking about real Fed agriculture, but that is the reality. And God forbid, if there's a drought, which I hope not, uh, this year, things will go haywire. And I think that is where we must be realistic when we are talking about economic projections in the economy, which is quite fragile. A lot of so depend upon the measures that the government will put in place. They were trying to stop the import of some commodities. I hope, and let me say it up front, I hope they will not introduce this import, you know, the kids' import regulations and leave it to the Minister for uh, Industry to determine who gets what. That is what started the high rate of Kalapula corruption in the mid-70s uh, during the Japan's time. And we, we cannot allow that to happen again. No, that, that's an interesting development. I'll be coming to that, how we can improve our current state. But we're talking about the other factors that would determine whether we have a good year. You are optimistic that inflation is likely to trend downwards. Of course, that doesn't mean that prices are necessarily going to go downwards. Today's indication of inflation from somewhere else. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At Strayer University, we see you striving to work harder and go further. That's why we provide you with the tools you need to get there, like offering a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can do your coursework anytime, anywhere, and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. 
Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. The biggest step is going from nothing to something. That's why the Peloton Tread has thousands of classes to get you up and moving. Whatever level you're at, we've got a class for you. Let's take it one step at a time. From a 15-minute walk to a 60-minute run. And instructors to help you improve. Get light on your feet. Get tall on the tread. And remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton Tread 30-day home trial at OnePeloton.com. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Ram slash home dash trial. All access membership separate terms apply. Friends 6 to 23 is, is, is a good sign that may be starting on a good point. The difficulty, however, is that the, the, the elements of interest rates might not equally be trending downwards like inflation. Why is that so? Simply, first of all, the government has a high appetite of borrowing the treasury bills. And the government, so if the government does not put its feet down to bring the treasury bill, which is almost now the only window for them to be able to get some money, then definitely, if you're a banker and you don't do anything, you just give your money to my good friend uh, can afford that, and that ensures that you get about 25 to 30%. Who are you going to learn and then chase them for? So a lot will depend upon what happens in the money market, and especially with respect to the treasury bills. Mm. And that is why, if nothing happens, the, the interest rates for the productive sectors, that the real sector, agriculture, industry, will not come down. But if inflation is able to trend towards 15%, I'm hoping that the treasury bill rates will also go down around 20% or even lower. Then the bankers will be able to do something about the interest rate because nobody, I mean, that's rational behavior. If you don't do anything, you can get a good interest rate, just uh, drinking coffee and just pushing a button and sending the money to the governor to give to the government. So that is what's going to determine whether the interest rate for the real sector and the private sector will go down. Mm. Unfortunately, the spread has always been too big. This is the only economy whereby the government pays higher rate than uh, even the private sector. So that's a different ball game altogether. Mm. Now, that's an interesting point. Now, depreciation of the currency. Um, you are thinking that it might do a little bit better. Others have a projection that the currency will still remain quite fragile this year. Uh, how is it, in your estimation, what should be done to make sure that uh, our currency will actually weather the storm this year? Well, we are talking about the short one. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah, it's a very short one in economic terms. Yeah. In the long run, we'll come back to that one because I think that my old boss, my first boss in the Ministry of Finance, Kwame with your station, have done an excellent thing too. You may not agree with all of them, but at least 
He has pulled out a lot. But in the short run, your way of holding your currency has to do with one, controlling imports. We have to. And that's why I'm saying that we have to reduce the things we don't have to import, but not through import licensing, which they were, if they, in this case, if the opposition had put his feet down, they were going to hand it over to KT Hammond. Let me tell you, it will have led to a high rate of corruption. We have unprecedented other politicians who say it, but we must reduce imports. Second, there must be expenditure control. And uh, this is where the challenge is whether in an election year the government will be disciplined enough. And that's where I find that they are coming to a conclusion with the IMF and the donors. Then they will put a lien on what the government can do, at least not totally free them, but at least reduce the appetite for that. But the bottom line is that we have to increase our revenue generation. And there are many low hanging ones that we can do. We no. cannot continue. I, yes. I, I know that you on, not long ago was the board chairman at GRA. So as for revenue generation, it's important to you. But we have a plethora of taxes that is currently in play. Our taxation regime, according to the business people, is a bit uh, retrogressive. Do you agree? I do agree because, first of all, there are too many of them. And therefore, uh, we are already having personal income tax at 35%. In effect, we are having uh, company tax about 30 And then, <laughs> the other day, actually, someone showed me, I must say that even though a former GRE uh, chairman, I was shocked that if you imported a vehicle or a good, you have about 17 small taxes that you have to pay, which is incredible. So I think that there's a limit to which you can squeeze water from the rock. But there are certain areas which we are not enforcing. The Ghana's program is not introduction of more and more taxes, but enforcing it, stopping the leakings, the assumptions that people are getting they shouldn't be getting. Going after those with visible income, because you see them in the buildings that they have built. For me, I'm a capitalist, and I don't mind anybody building a mansion, but if you build, say, a 10 million house, you have to justify your income, and we must go after them. When I was chairman of GRA, we found out that in three years, we could increase our income per uh, revenue per GDP from 13.5 to 17.5. And we were on course. The first year, full year, we were able to get 3 billion in excess of what the government had projected. Of course, if you want to do so, you have to step on some toes. And then when you are in your house, you hear that a new board has been put in place, which, uh, you know, was not even the greatest of saying that place. It's time for you. You have done 15 months. Get away. Oh, that's what happened to you. Exactly. Oh, I never knew that. I mean, that would have sounded like something that has not happened to the likes of Professor Steve Nader. Oh, but uh, some of us don't. 
we serve at the pleasure of the appointed person. So therefore, you just go quietly. But yes, I was actually watching television when the new board was inaugurated. At the JRA? Yeah, but that is... Don't make a... No, no, no. I, because I, I, I intended speaking to you about uh, taxation issues. Because currently... Okay. Actually, well, let's go to so what I'm saying is that... Mm -hmm. The taxes are too many, too little ones. And uh, unfortunately, my good friend said that he was going to abolish nuisance taxes to bring in uh, angry taxes. We need to go streamline our taxation, go after this, stop the corruption in the system, and then make sure that not the few income earners are freeze out, but those. I mean, when you go to they call it East Lebanon Hills and other places. Mm -hmm. The amount of construction is going on is unbelievable despite the haircut. And we are living in a country and that goes on and people are not paying their taxes. Let's stop and go after them. Now there's going to be the cocoa season, they call it, in the elections. You know, people will be going about stuck in their cars. Millions of cities, of course, you've seen some of them on their bed having millions of dollars already. And yet, these people, let them show their taxes. Unless we go after them and increase revenue. So, the, a simple answer is that cut your imports, go for your revenues, reduce some expenditure which are not critical, and then, of course, over time, you can't do it in the short run, increase your exports. These are development economies 101. That means that it's class one development economies, not the one you have to be a professor to come to the TV to talk about. Mm. It's the question of implementation. Not the political way. That's an interesting development. Now, to ask you, Prof, currently, there are, there are concerns about certain taxes, for example. There is the concern that just, just today we saw the letter from the grouping that's the Ministry of Finance reminding the uh, 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 GRA that they were supposed to have VAT on electricity for non, uh, what they call it, the lower consumers, not the lower consumers, but for those who are outside the bracket of the lifeline consumers. This is something that we just got to know. It's supposed to start from the beginning of the year. Some are heavily opposed to this right from the beginning because they believe that is almost like imposing further, further increase in uh, electricity by just like it is tax on the electricity that people buy. Is this one of the progressive or retrogressive taxes? Definitely. I mean, electricity for people is a, a necessity. And therefore, when you increase it, it will hit many people. Let me say that I'm almost in my home out of the ECG grid and 95% on solar because I saw this coming two years ago and I said I'm not going to be hit by it. But I think that the idea of increasing taxes, new taxes, rather than implementation and getting those taxes, property taxes, you know, and then paying should be the norm. And also, we are not getting sufficient from our gold and uh, 
Now there's a, an issue about lithium, uh, still going about it as if we are living in the 18th century. So there are certain areas that we should focus. Mm. And then the compliance. I think that there's also a lot of corruption within the tax uh, uh, system in, in this country. <laughs> we, I was there for 15 months, so I can't be an expert in oh, well. what goes on. But there was a case whereby someone had actually, so a company had to pay 100 million or thereabout, I think dollars or CDs, I can't remember correct, and had gone to get some money and made it 1 million. Really? Time. Of course, agents don't like it. And there are so many leakages in the system that must be plugged. Again, there was one case whereby that happened to be a state owned enterprise had collected what they called it uh, one month, you, you pay people, you take it, uh, withholding tax. Short of about 100 million. And our boys went there and uh, wanted to stop them because the GRA has the power if you don't pay taxes to come and uh, close your factory. Yeah. I, have, I get a call. Go and tell your boys that they should leave my factory. That's one of the days I was so angry. And I said, Madam, I'm not going to tell my boys to leave there. I don't have even the authority to go and tell tax officers going to collect not taxation, but monies that have been collected for the government and they are choking to leave. Let them negotiate with the boys. Let them pay some deposit and negotiate with that. Of course, if you do such things, you won't last more than 15 months. But some of us cannot tolerate this and then they go about trying to blackmail you. And I... Oh, I see that. Now, the, the, what I was talking about is the implementation of the value-added tax on the supply of electricity above lifeline for residential purposes. Now, this is, as some have put it, effectively a 15%. It effectively increase the price of electricity, and uh, there's no doubt at all people will be worse off. But actually, in other jurisdictions, when you have a vast rate, it applies to everything. Okay. But the question is, uh, what does it bring the electricity? For example, one of the reasons why our factories are not being competitive is the cost of electricity. Mm. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether this one is going to affect also the productive sectors. If it does, we become more and more competitive. Actually, it says up to twenty-two percent for commercial uh, users. We become uncompetitive because already we are one of the highest. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Cost when it comes to electricity in our sub-region, if not in the world. 
Because there are two conversations here. On one hand, we want to increase revenue. On the other side, to, um, we want to promote businesses and make sure that people do not suffer unnecessarily from a taxation regime which is retrogressive. Which one should be our priority right now? Listen, you first focus on things that increases production. And then that in turn will feed into your tax system. If you muscle those, uh, uh, the ducks that lay the golden uh, egg, you are not going to go anywhere else. And at this moment, I believe that things that increase the cost of production in the industry should be avoided. You should be going after the billions of uncollected property taxes and people getting away, clearing things, being exempted, not even the more important ones. These are where the, the mines have millions of exemptions. And these are the ones we should go rather than going after the uh, ordinary producer and consumer when it comes to electricity. I am sure, as a distinguished former chair of the GRA, you have heard of this bruaha surrounding the SML contract to do revenue <laughs> assurance. I hope you are not the one who signed and uh, contracted SML in the first place. No. I can tell you clearly the answer is no. Never came to uh, the board for any signature. But I think that the president has done well is that he is asking for an independent uh, inquiry into it from what I've read in the social media it really could be one of the big bomb time bomb issues which must be looked into and if people have really done wrong must be brought to book but sometimes you know you want to be very careful when you are speaking about this because you don't have all the facts mm. Now, the target is who should be the one to do it? Will it be KPMG or should be the Auditor General? I think that the Occupy Ghana said that it should be the Auditor General. I am inclined to say that probably KPMG will do a better job. But that is my own view about that. But yes, and it is something that might be looked into. But once it is under investigation, I shouldn't. Uh, go further. The, the first is that my board had nothing to do with it. And that's all that I can say at this stage. And let's await the outcome because you can prejudge when you don't have all the facts. Mm, I, I, I get your point. Now, there's another conversation about the operations of the GRA that the introduction of more recent taxes, taxes on betting, taxes on uh, at the ports. Taxes in varied forms is, is actually making businesses in this country uncompetitive. And the thinking is that we are in a hurry to increase our tax-to-GDP ratio as against the quest to make sure that uh, businesses thrive. If you are advising the president today, mindful of the fact that you understand how businesses operate and also have been at JRA, what would be your best advice to him? First of all, let me clear one thing. I mean, 
Betting is something, and I must declare my stand. I am personally against betting, and anything that is done because it becomes addictive, it ruins people's life, and it's not a game, it's a destructive uh, activity. So, I anything that will, you, if you tax this out of existence, I will be even happier. So, that's my personal one. On one question, I believe that there are, as I've said it over and over again, there are areas when Ghana can reap billions we are not doing property taxes, getting enough from our natural resources. That's where we should be going. Also, compliance. That is, most of the taxes, you they make the law, it's not implemented. Everybody must be uh, wants to be exempted, you know, because he has a he has a connection of the party or it's related to some big man. Leave GLO to become professional, give them the target, and let them achieve what they exist, and they will be able to get the 17.5, which we believe we could get it in three years without increasing any taxation. That's where we should go. Then it comes, and in so doing, there are some productive sectors you want to encourage. In fact, contrary, there are some areas, for example, when you want to stop all importation of food juices, you should give the Ghanaian freedom for the next five years to produce the orange juice, because in the end, Producing the orange juice and on the market and being sold in the fast, you will get more. In the short run, you may lose some taxes, but in the long run, you would more than get to outweigh what you will lose. So it requires not just a matter of pick and choose, but you must have a strategic framework because taxation is a developmental activity. And it's not a matter of, you know, when the budget is there, you list. These are the places we can get money and go about it. No. What you have to do is that for Ghana to progress, which areas we should encourage, which areas we can tax, but at the end of the day, it's a matter of compliance, not a matter of increasing the level of taxation. Hmm. I, 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 that's interesting. If you just join us, you're still live on Upfront here. My guest is Professor Stephen Adair. We are projecting into the year 2024 as we just began the year. Our conversation largely is on how many of the important things to you are going to run. We've been talking about the inflation. We've been talking about exchange rates. We'll be having a conversation now about taxation. We, we walk through the taxes in the country, whether they are progressive or not progressive. And we've also been talking about SML. We'll also be having time about what is really our target going into the future about taxation? Are we going to be able to target the right places? Prof has been given some indications as to what should be done. To wrap up the conversation about taxation generally, there are those who say, when we look at the bigger picture in the Republic of Ghana, people are refusing to pay because they don't know what we are using the money for. And that the main conversation should be that the poor governance we have in this country makes it almost impossible for people to believe that their taxes will be used for the right things. True or false? You are, 
You know, my language is what I'm running. That's a bad word. But that is true. I think that there's no one in Ghana who doesn't know that public sector corruption among the politicians and in the public se sector is very high. I mean, there is an indication that at least two thirds of Ghanaians have experienced corruption being uh, extorted for stains which they are doing. And you can go, uh, you take your car and just go by the road. I just came from my village. And you can see that the police are barriers. When they see that somebody is coming, and they, then they let everybody go for you to pass quickly. But if you watch about half a kilometer before you get there, you see that you have a paper, you put it in, and the rest. That's petty corruption. Mm. But we all know there are grand corruption. I, the estimation is that about 40% of the monies we have spent actually get lost in the corrupt deals. That's okay. a huge amount of money. People still go to about 20 years ago, the World Bank estimating about 3 billion yeah. lost. That is, it's been there in the public domain for about 10 to 15 years. No, it's much higher. And that is what makes people very, very concerned about whether they are getting value for money. And let me tell you, the amount of money that is being displayed, especially by public office holders, is sometimes sickening. The, the amount of buildings which are going on, you don't go to the villages, there are no buildings going on. But you go to the so-called rich areas and goes with the government of the day. When NDC is in power, it was Charlie. The last, they have just, I went there the other day, I couldn't believe how much built, many buildings, huge, expensive ones, were built in the short period of Muhammad's time. Now, it is easily more, you can almost link every regime to an area. And these things make the ordinary Ghanaian feel that they are being cheated because if the money, and especially the borrowed money, is that wasted, and then we have to pay it through haircut, then it becomes almost offensive. So I sympathize with the ordinary Ghanaian, and that is why I believe that we must tackle corruption frontally. And if you want, I will give some ideas because my uh, some people have done so. I can bring them up and also my own special ones. I will come to that, but are we not estimating the level and the impact of corruption wrongly? The President of the Republic of Ghana is quite forthright. The recent, uh, what they call it, NACAP review, the President was categorical that he's pumped more money, perhaps, than most of the other governments in the Fourth Republic into anti-corruption institutions. Two, he has not protected people 
who were involved in or accused of being involved in, i.e., he, he, he has not been what people say is the position he has played when it comes to covering corruption. And that when it comes to the fight against corruption, he has evidence to show in the establishment of the OSP. He has evidence to show in funding. He has evidence to show in the personal commitments he has made in this area. Are these not clear-cut indications that if we are properly estimating the quantum and the seriousness or the gravity of corruption, we might see that it is really drastically not being what it used to be, especially under President Akufuado. I will be the last to say he hadn't made some efforts about the OSP and uh, all those things. But for him to, he cannot say that corruption has abated. What has been the result of the OSP? We are talking about the actual outcome, not just the the effort, and if you do the effort in the right direction, for example, so long as you have a law which says the giver of the bribe and the receiver are both criminals, do you think that you will get somebody to report corruption? No. Uh. There has to be a look at the fundamental law of the country. Again, the president and me and you know that if you multiply political agents, you multiply corruption in the country. Has he reduced it? The answer is no. So, I think that I will give him the credit that in terms of actual visible efforts, he has done. You know, let me tell you, there's one thing that makes me love, you know, Lee Kuan Yew. Do you know that one of his people was accused of taking bribe? The man hanged himself rather than facing the Lee Kuan Yew. I see. He hanged himself. Why? Because the whole system is said that identify with corruption was an attack. Can that be said about Ghana? And here I'm not talking about Kufuadu as a person. We have not done enough to deal with corruption. In fact, none of all that is mentioned, the only... Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. That has made some sectional impact in digitization. The areas where digitization has been successful, that of, say, the issue of passport. Again, DVLA, there are still deals there. But Corruption in DVLA in the passport has gone down drastically. We cannot say that it is true with GRA. We can't say that it is true with contracting systems. We can't say that those people who are now going about just for the nomina- uh, 
he was a parliamentary candidacy of NPP, going with bales of money, are going with end money. We are not saying that he hasn't done anything. But when we are dealing with the cracks of corruption, it has not been tackled. Mm. Now, as you speak about those who are going around with money, um, I've seen the story, I'm not sure if you have heard it, that the OSP is going after the National Entrepreneurship and Investment uh, CEO for allegedly sharing some money to delegates... Uh, in, in, in the run-up to the MPP's uh, parliamentary primaries, this is evidence that the OSP is working. This is evidence that President Akufuado's uh, proposals are working in one way or the other. You agree. But what do you think about how much money we are spending in our primaries anyway? Well, let me tell you, I was talking with someone who is participating in this, and this is not unique to MPP. Except that when you when you are in power, you seem to have more access to the wrong money. I asked somebody, you people, you are giving an average of two thousand cities to a delegate. He says, Oh, Cobra, some are giving five thousand. This is inside, inside information. <laughs> That's <are> interesting. <laughs> and if the average candidates are about two uh, 500. 500 means 2.5 million. More than probably twice the earning of the MP within the four years. Why would anybody me quite go and pay 2.5 million? What if I put it in treasury bills at just 25%? Hey, I'm getting <laughs> about how many uh, about 800,000 per annum. Let me tell you, we have a big problem on our hand. Our political system, and here I'm not, it's not an MPP specific. Okay. Let we do something about it. Our democracy will just be monocracy. And people are going to be in parliament not because of their gumption or what they have for us, but because they had money. And unfortunately, 80%, if not more, of the so-called delegates, you go to your village and see the delegates there, they will sell their mother for 1,000. Mm. Now, that's, that's an interesting point, but I was asking whether you think that the OSP has done well, going after those purportedly involved in sharing money to delegates. You know, the English have something that one swine, or uh, I don't know, one swallow that is that not make a summer. Mm. I think the OSP has come out that he's frustrated. Yeah. And that his impact has been limited. So don't come and ask Stephen Adair. Go and ask the OSP. No, I'm talking about in the very instance of having to arrest or seeking to arrest somebody who is seeking to bribe or seeking to influence delegates. I'm asking whether this is a step in the right direction. No, that is very good, but that's going to, what I'm saying is that it's one out of 200 or one out of 180. And I tell you sometimes when somebody is just for other reasons rather than sharing the money, because other than that, we know 
that all the constituencies they are sharing the money. Why is he the one alone being built? If they want to teach you, then they focus on you. Oh, that, that's an interesting point, anyway. But it means we cannot get rid of monocracy in our politics. What can we do differently? Look, what we need to do, and I think that in the sense, why see Osingami's picture there, my big brother? No, no. Uh, who, anyway, I think it is him, by the way. I think that uh, I say that the academia and the middle class have let so much go under the water. We must stand up. Listen, I just came from my district. During the last election, Katie Hammond gave everybody who could identify that he voted for him 1,000 Ghana cities, and then when you come out of it and you could show the photograph, then you get a, a 40 inch television. Now they are saying that the 40, their television has collapsed, so you should come and repair them. And this is widespread, and I think that there's a need for the silent minority, especially in academia and the middle class, to stand up and say that, say, yamai, yamai, about just how many people go to parliament, 275 and those who contested, we won't allow them to ruin our country. And, you know, you allow only few people and then you get the politically aligned uh, radio stations insult you and everything else and malign you and say all sorts of things. There's now a need for a Ghana first big uh, group of people who would think through. And there are a few things, the laws that permit this must go. The idea, in fact, that, you know, in, uh, let me put it this way. Most of Ghanaians think that they choose their president. You don't choose their president. You have about 250,000 MPP. Let me give the same number in NDC. Out of that, 80% are unemployed, people hungry, or just uh, the so-called delegates. All the five or so that will come from my village to go and decide whether Katie Hammond or somebody else actually are unemployed. They decide who the presidential candidates are and oh. then you choose freedom. We need to stand up and have a total overhaul of our system. And it starts with talking about it, having the right forum, mobilizing people and telling the Ghanaians that they are being shortchanged by this monocracy. And I believe that we can do something, as we say, do something before you die. Or saying, Gami, do something before you die. Mm. Let's come together on both sides. Don't get ourselves pigeonholed into this group, that group, that group. No. I believe in my book on Ghanaian leadership. I said only 200 people when they stand up and they want to stop this madness, we can do so. Let's start now.
I'm told that I have very limited time left on my hands. There's a question, though, that I need to ask you about education. Um, the grouping who are teaching in the various schools, NAT, NAGRAT, and Co., they are asking that the feeding of students, which they think has become problematic recently, be reverted, and the purchasing, the, the, the process of getting food for the young people in our senior high schools should be reversed and be controlled by the head teachers instead of what is currently at play. Do you support such a decision? Well, I don't think that I can pontificate on something I haven't studied. But I have 1,700 students I feed every day, three times a day. It's not centralized. And they get all their that in the You know, the more you, so I can talk generically, the more you centralize things, as we do in Ghana by the politicians, the more corruption and inefficiencies you introduce. I don't see why somebody in Accra should tell a headmaster in Avrobo where to get the food and uh, what. So they must have a, a good reason and they must come and justify what the new system is better than the old. But at this moment, I'm concerned with my 1,700 students who are fed well mm. and doing well. Mm. It requires a stay. So I hope that the Nagraj and then the uh, NAT people will come out not with, with an analysis and show. But I can say generally, in our system, the more you centralize things, which in other jurisdictions, you have the bulk advantages, you know, yeah. Turns from the opposite. It introduced corruption, party weeks getting there, and of course, when there's a change of government, it's our time also to chop. Prof, this is the beginning of the year. I'm sure we will continue with subsequent conversations. This is just a teaser of our conversations with Professor Stephen Adair. Prof, I'm grateful to you for your time this evening. Afishapa. Afishapa. Well, folks, that's where we're in today's edition of Upfront. Many thanks to you for joining us. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC.